first Noel The angel did say Was to certain poor shepherds In fields as they lay In fields where they lay A keep in their sheep On a cold winter's night That was so deep No Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and welcome to a very special episode of the Weekly Stuff Podcast with Jonathan Lack and Sean Chapman. We are here on Christmas Day yay, to celebrate Christmas with our second annual, this is now a tradition, Weekly Stuff Christmas special. Last year on Christmas, we did an episode where we did a couple things, but our main attraction was we talked about Pokemon Christmas Bash the worst Christmas album ever recorded, mm-hmm. and Sean had not didn't know it existed. And so I played it for him, and we live reacted, and I still love that episode. I'm sure that episode's good. It's a good episode. You will never listen to it, right? No, I don't <laughs> want to hear that music ever again. Okay. Um, it's a good episode. That was last Christmas. And you know, when you've got a good thing, you want to make a sequel, right? So we're doing a sequel this year. All right. Okay. So today is just a special bonus Christmas episode. If you haven't heard, our last episode from Monday was our big Star Wars review of Rise of Skywalker. We also talked about the recent episodes of The Mandalorian. Go listen to that if that's what you're looking for. This episode is just for fun. This episode is just us fucking around. It is. For the holidays. It's, we've got a topic, though, and it's really good. And it is in the spirit of what we did last year, but I'm kicking it up another notch. All right? Sean, you don't know what we're doing. I have no idea. This is something that you've been teasing for me for like three weeks, telling me that we're going to do some fucking Christmas thing and not tell me what it is. And I did it last year, too. Yeah. And you told me at the end of last year's podcast, because I listened to it again, you said, Jonathan, if you put me in the scenario with Peter Capaldi from like Hell Bet, Heaven Sent, the episode of Doctor Who where he's punching through Diamond, you said, I would punch through the Diamond Wall before I guessed Pokemon Christmas Bash. Those were your words. Yeah. Do you have any guesses for this year? I mean, you played the Bob Dylan Christmas album thing for our theme for last year and this year. We're not doing that. We're not do- obviously, we're not doing that. This is not a piece of music. Okay, so it's not even music at all. I mean, my, because of Star Wars, I mean, the thing like Star Wars Christmas special, but obviously not that because you it's, can't just it's pull not, that out We're not watching anything either. We're going to kind of be performing something. Okay. Uh, uh, well, we're gonna take a back. We're gonna take a step. Yeah, back. I have no framework with which to like. Like, what, what, not, what can I possibly guess here? We're going I'm to not, do interpretive dance of the no. fucking nativity story. Like, we're I not, don't know. We're not dancing. We're not singing. Let me back up. I have a story. I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but it's been a couple years and it needs context here. So, when I was a wee lad, <laughs> it was many Christmases ago. A wee lad, a wee lad. Of the Scottish Highlands. <laughs> When I was young, I think I was either in middle school or like a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. We had some family friends who were, you know, kind of creative types. They were a little weird. And they invited us to a performance of a Christmas carol they were doing at their church. I think I have some vague recollection of you telling the yeah, story. Yeah, because I've never forgotten it. And we're like, okay, well, A Christmas Carol, just so you guys know, is like one of my favorite books, stories, anything. I love it. One of the all-time greats. One of the all-time greats. You can't mess up A Christmas Carol. It's very hard to do that. So yep. we went to see this community production of A Christmas Carol. Well, they found a way to mess it up because this was at a Baptist church. And this was the Baptist interpretation of A Christmas Carol where it was not Scrooge's greed. It was not his miserliness. It was not his cruelty. 
It's that he had not accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. It was an evangelical production of A Christmas Carol where he had to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. They said it many times during the show. The scene like, you know, where he has his girlfriend, Belle, and she Uh breaks up with him. The whole scene was, Scrooge, I don't think I can be with someone who doesn't accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That was it. At the end of the show, the, there's no. it's not the ghost of Christmas future. It's like he's sent to hell, and there was a dude who came out in a devil costume, and a dude who came out as Jesus, and he looked like South Park Jesus, and they were yelling like, Scrooge, come to me. No, Scrooge, come to me. And I have never forgotten this. It must have been a memorable experience. I tried finding the script this year because I wanted to do something with it. So I went on a hunt over many days on the internet while I should have been doing other things. This was my procrastination activity. Could I find, was there like, was this something like this one dude at this Baptist church in the mid-2000s wrote? Or is this on some kind of network? And yeah, I tried finding did it. Did someone like write and publish this yes. that, that um, church pulled from? Yeah. I couldn't find it. Thank God. I found something better. Oh no. I found on a Christian play website called Drama Share a script called A Christian Carol. <laughs> okay. And We're off to a great fucking start with that title. And Sean. I mean, it's already called A Christmas Carol. Christmas is the holiday that's about the birth of Jesus. Like, do you actually need to change that title to make it more Christian? You brought up props. This is a present for you. We should have opened it already. We'll save it for the end of the episode, okay? Okay. I got you a present. Elmo's Christmas on. present. Maybe like we'll Elmo. open this in a minute before we do our, our event. But anyway, I haven't brought props. I've brought the original book, A Christmas Carol, if we oh, need okay. to look anything up. All I was right? really concerned that this was the book, A Christian Carol. No, no, no. It's like, wait, did Sean, publish this? this is A Christian Carol. This is the PDF. They had a. You wrote your fucking initials on. Because I have my script and your script. I've I've highlighted these, Sean. Oh, God. So. You you did put a lot of procrastination. I mean, you had those two pages to write. So, so Drama Share, this website, Uh they had a a couple pages of preview, which would let me know if this was good enough for our show. This drama, this is from the first page of their preview. Uh huh. This drama is an adaptation of Dickens' Christmas Carol. The setting is a small Midwest American town in the 1800s. They've recast it to the Old West. Oh, That's that part one. Unnecessary, but okay. Although offering humor, this script has a very distinct Christian message. Ending in Scrooge, fighting and screaming all the way, finally accepting the Lord. And when I saw those words, fighting and screaming all the way, I slapped down my credit card and I paid Drama Share $35 for the performance <laughs> rights to, for they would send me the PDF of this script. And I have looked through it, and it is fucking gold. It is one of the worst things I've ever read. You and I will be performing it on today's podcast. I have scripts. And to stress, you have not told me about this. Nope. I had no framework that this is something that existed. I have not seen this. Nope. I mean, I haven't even seen a Christmas Carol thing in several years at this point. So Yeah. Yeah. Great. So it's a Christian Carol, and you and I will be doing all the parts. You will be playing the part of Scrooge. Uh, I will be playing some of the other various roles. We'll do this as we talk. Before we do this, Sean, why don't I give you your present now? Because this is also an annual tradition for us. Yeah. Um, you can describe the wrapping paper if you want. Uh, but this got is the... Elmo, Flower Power. What's the, the girl Elmo? What's I don't name? know girl Elmo's name. Yeah. She's like Elmo's friend. It, it's been a long time since I did Sesame Street. I so. want to say Lila, but I don't think it's Lila. Yeah. I'm just going to rip into this fucking thing. Okay. So sometimes from time to time, Sean, I get you a present on the podcast. Yes. And this is in the tradition of what I usually get you. It's another Amazing Spider-Man comic 
Uh, this is issue 246 of The Amazing Spider-Man. It features uh, Spider-Man getting punched in the face powerfully by uh, Jolly J. Jonah Jameson himself. Who's um, kind of like jacked up. He's, he's, he's ripped. He's jacked up. He's got a nice fucking expensive watch. He's wearing like a yellow tracksuit um, that is very fetching on him. And he's just saying, I've dreamed of this moment for years, Spider-Man. Now at last, J. Jonah Jameson is triumphant. Pow! It is a good cover. It's a what, good cover. What I always do is I try to find the most entertaining cover. Because, again, I, I've said this before. I'm not going to be able to get you, like, the one where uh, uh, Gwen Stacy dies. No, yes. You're, yes. We're but, not getting the, the death of Gwen Stacy. But if you don't care about the important issues and you just care about silly covers, this is a cost-effective way to collect Spider-Man. Yes, this is 246. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit into the run. Yes. But still a classic, classic Spider-Man that's good. Yeah. Do you do you remember this from when you've read it? Uh, Whatever this issue I'm pretty is? sure I've read it, but I don't recall the cover. So I want to I want to flip through it to see what the actual story is. But that cover is something else. Yeah. I he's even got he's got the cigar in right or a cigarette. Oh uh, yes, he has yeah. his. I mean, he always has a cigar in. Yes, yes, it's good stuff. There's a there's an ad on the back for the Return of the Jedi video game cartridge. For the Atari 2600. Well, that's pretty very, great. Very topical. Yes, we were just recording our Star Wars episode, so. All right, but Sean, should we get into our Christmas topic? Okay. Are you ready for this? Okay. We're going to be reading A Christian Carol. There is no author credited on this script or on their website, which is a great sign. Yes, I mean, they must have been. I mean, it was authored by the Lord himself. It just channeled <laughs> through a scribe from, like, the Bible. So, so okay. So I have assigned you, Sean, the role of Scrooge. Good old Ebenezer. Obviously, is he called Ebenezer Scrooge or is he like John mm. Scrooge or Paul Scrooge? No, he is still Ebenezer, okay. which makes less sense in the Old West, but yeah. whatever. Um, but yes, so you will be reading Scrooge. I will be reading the narrator, which is a significant part because for some reason this opens with a three-page solid text of narration. I will probably not be reading all of it, yes. but it's too much. Um, but I will read the narrator, and we will skip off on who's doing sort of stage directions based on who I've circled for stage directions. Okay. Um, and you will be reading a couple other characters here and there, but in most scenes, you're just Scrooge. Okay, and so then everything... So yeah, I'm flipping through. It looks like all my stuff is yes. circled in some way, so I know. Okay. Yes. And I do... Just a quick note. I do like... There's some gender-blind casting here that gentleman number one, it says, may be female. Same with gentleman number two. So, you know... There's the, the, the it's 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 adaptable to sort of a wider range of actors, which I think is is pretty broad-minded. All right, so Sean, are you ready for a Christian Carol? A Christian Carol copyright, by the way, it has yes. a nice little copyright uh, mark after right. the word Carol, which I think is at the wrong spot. <laughs> yes, I don't think it should be there. I mean, they have multiple copyright symbols on every page of this thing. I'm just looking at the first page. And I always have so many questions. Like, they describe the narrator as the outgoing, quote, dumb like a fox, end quote, type character. What does that mean? Well, what? you gotta find out. Okay, I don't know what dumb like a fox means. Okay, well, we'll, we'll find out together. So, we'll read through this. At any point, we want to stop and comment on it, Sean, or laugh at it. That's no, what this is. I, we already need to stop. We already need to stop because I'm looking at, for example, it says a note on the language used. By design, this script was written using the early American dialect at the outset, followed up by more traditional languages the script progresses. This was done to ensure that language did not interfere with the more meaty part of the message. 
Yep. Oh, this fucking thing. How did you find this, you goddamn <laughs> maniac? It took a lot of work. Yeah. And again, I want to stress $35. So this is truly my Christmas present to our listeners. Should we begin? Let us begin. Narrator. See? Old Jacob Marley was dead. Stone cold dead. Ain't no doubt about that. No siree. Josh Lyman, him, the clerk down the courthouse, he had the death certificate filed away neat. And Doc Sanderson and Preacher Jones and Frank Thompson, the undertaker and part-time barber, all them names was on that certificate. Even Scrooge, Marley's partner in the First National Bank of Topeka here all these years past, why he signed it as well. And Scrooge's name on anything was known to be proof positive that what he said was true. See old Scrooge, he didn't put his John Henry on... What? That's... Does he, you know, famous framer of the Constitution, John Henry, who signed his name so big. Um, but his handwriting was really bad because everyone thought it said Hancock. <laughs> okay, we've already got a phenomenal typo. Were it, okay, he didn't put his old John Hancock on nothing were it not a lead pipe cinch. Is that a real phrase? It's, he's, I mean, this guy is dumb like a fox, as okay. we all know. Stake your life on it, old Marley. He's a dead man. Scrooge know old Jake Marley was dead, you say? Of course he did. Had to. How could it be otherwise? Scrooge and Marley were partners for I don't know how long in the First National Bank of Topeka back before I come to this territory. Marley, he died, and Scrooge, he turned around and took care of all the details. I'm going to skip the rest. This is so bad. Yeah, this um, is, there's so just much imagine here. the beginning like setup to Christmas, Christ, a Christmas Carol. A Christian Carol. Yeah, but with the Bank of Topeka yes. and a bad Western accent. Oh my god, there's so much here. Because this seriously goes on for three solid single-spaced pages. How long of a monologue would this be performed? I mean, the thing says at the front that the runtime is approximately 120 minutes. The whole play is supposed to be two hours. I imagine that's about at least ten minutes to go through all that. Okay, so I have to start. Okay, so I'm continuing here. Guess it was the first bank here in Topeka, although why national, not sure. Wasn't no national thing, being housed. This was the one and only first national bank of Topeka. Scrooge and Marley props bank anywhere in these parts, likely in the whole wide world is my best guess. Small matters like this never had great impact on folks here in Topeka. More important stuff like corn prices, drought and grasshoppers, seems like, capturing the minds and hearts of us locals. Folks wandered into town why they'd go to the first national bank of Topeka and they'd do their business. No, this isn't in the, the Dickens. Dickens does not talk about Scrooge's business in this excruciating detail. Maybe get the idea we're talking about a man who'd skin a louse for its hide. Such was old Ebenezer Scrooge. Was said round here that you ever shake hands with old Scrooge, best count your fingers, likely as not your short one or two. Not that I can say I ever knew a man to actually lose fingers. This more a kind of talk in these parts. Like... This is this yeah, is like, so overwritten. We get that it's a metaphor that is exp- it's a expression you're using. Not that like people actually get their fingers cut off. Why does the narrator need this much characterization? I it's don't the know. fucking narrator. He's not even a character in the story. Whenever there was someone in need, there'd be Ebenezer right in the middle, foreclosing on the fellow's farm like as not. Ebenezer Scrooge, tightest old skin flint, good lord, ever allowed the breath of life. Okay, uh, yeah, skip some. It here. goes on and on and on. So much. Nobody ever stopped old Scrooge on the street, say, Scrooge, old man, how's things with you? How's the business? Your family? Well, truth be told, Scrooge had no family, save one his nephew, Fred, had no wife, no kids, and thinking on it, whoever in all Kansas territory, man, woman, or child, would long for the opportunity of calling Scrooge kin? 
Folks around here shared few thoughts unanimous, only one thing they all held firm. Ebenezer Scrooge was a sad, miserable example of a man. He suddenly got more erudite here. Uh, Even mangy coyotes on the bald prairie would turn about and hightail it for the hills over yonder. The shadow of that reprobate man came into view. (laughs) This guy has a good vocabulary for a toothless prospector. I feel like this is a lot of setup for Scrooge sure was greedy and lonely, huh? But then, tell me then, did Scrooge care so much as Snap's fingers that what folks thought of him? Sometimes wondered, maybe it's the way that cantankerous old sidewinder wanted it to be. Seems like he set up this here barbed wire fence round about himself, keeping all folks out whether they be friend or foe. Come to recollect on it, wouldn't take much offense to keep out old Scrooge's friends, seeing how they ain't none. Got to speculating one time I did, maybe old Scrooge wanted it that way. Strange seems like, but then not every fellow was born to be a Philadelphia lawyer is my way of thinking. What? <laughs> no, no. I'm trying to figure out what much offense spelled much a m u c h a space fence f f e n c e. I don't know what that is. Remember back long time ago, me I just come to these parts. Christmas Eve it was. Old Scrooge, he sat on his old high back chair in his office at the First National Bank of Topeka. Scrooge, quit saying this! <laughs> the First National Bank of Topeka. Memory serves me, it was cold, bleak, biting weather. Cold winter wind blowing down from Canada. Not fit for man nor beast, it wasn't. Certainly not fit for us good old Americans. <laughs> this damn Canadian wind. Those as good was home. Fires burning, fighting the chill that penetrated every nook and cranny. Those as had to be out and about why they was bundled up to near point of being hobbled. Shuffling up and down the street they was, hands in pockets, big winter hats pulled over their ears. You know what you could do is you could have people walk on stage in big winter coats and not have this fucking narration. I think they only realized a little bit in writing the script that this is a play, not a novel. and So you actually have characters on stage. Miserable kind of day it was, and although only mid-afternoon, lanterns were already burning in Tom Dunham's general store, Ms. Thompson making herself busy finding just the right material to make the wedding dress for her spinster daughter, Flossie. I do declare, never expected Flossie to marry. Must have been 20, maybe tw- Who is this in the Dickens story? I don't know. Oh my god, okay. The lights gradually go down. Now we're in sequence one. I think I'm almost done with my narration. Old Scrooge, he kept his office door wide open, but don't go getting the notion it was so as people think old Ebenezer to be approachable. Oh no, his aim was to keep his eye on his clerk, Bob Cratchill. Is that a typo or did they read his name? It could be a typo. We'll find out, I guess. Bob Cratchell. Bob Cratchell, who in a mean excuse for an office, was recording the day's receipts in a big black ledger. Scrooge had a small wood stove in his office which scarce kept the frost off, but the clerk's area was heated only by the stove pipes which wound their crooked path across the outer office. So many times Bob Cratchit, okay, it was a typo. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He wanted to waltz into old Ebenezer's office, load down that old stove with all the wood it could hold, and sit back and soak up the heat. But soon Cratchit got to thinking those thoughts. Old Scrooge, he'd put padlock to the wood box and just casually remind Cratchit just how bad Cratchit needed the job which Scrooge provided. At which Cratchit would hit... This is word echoes. There's a lot of word echoes here. This is bad writing. Would hitch up his lambskin coat, don scarf and mittens, and dutifully return to his sums. Lights full up behind Scrim. Nephew Fred enters. Howdy. Merry Christmas, Uncle. God bless you. Bah humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle. You don't mean that, I'm sure. Take it to the bank, I do. Merry Christmas? What reason have you got to be merry, Fred? You don't have three plug nickels to your name. Fine, Uncle Scrooge. Then what right have you to be feeling out of sorts? What reason have you to have a burr under your saddle blanket? You've got more the money than the dog's got ticks. Now, bah, humbug. 
Come on, Uncle Waglum. What do you expect? People everywhere losing their fool heads over Christmas. All I hear is Merry Christmas or Season's Greetings. Some tomfoolery like that. My humbug, that's all I can say. Tell me, will you, what's Christmas time mean? Time for buying stuff you don't need with money you don't have. That's what. Ending up a year older, but not a stick richer. If I had my way, next fella comes in here spouting off on Merry Christmas, gonna be tarred and feathered right out of town on a rail. Uncle Scrooge. Nephew Fred, see here, young whipsnapper, tell you what. You go ahead and keep Christmas the way you want. Let me be to keep it mine. I'm sorry. I'm one page in. And I'm already broken. <laughs> this, this is some good damn writing, nephew. Keep it. Begging your pardon. You don't keep it. Let me be to not keep Christmas then. A lot of good of keeping Christmas is going to do you. A lot of good it has ever done you, ever. With respect, Uncle, I gotta say, there's lots of things we ought to do with no aim for food in our bellies at the end of the day. Not all things work out with four bits back for every penny invested. That's simply the way it is. Not a problem, I see it. Oh, and I see Mr. Moneybags off the new frontier. Next penny, money you, next penny you invest, folks will roll over in their graves all over the West. And maybe you should get to thinking about putting food in your belly. Save the cockamamie sentiment and tomfoolery ideas alone. Listen to me, you're not wet behind the ears no more. Wake up, boy. Just what's this ridiculous fascination with Christmas? Never will figure that one, I tell you. Fascination with Christmas? Well, apart from the fact that Christmas is, as you know, Uncle, the time we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> what's with this mumbo-jumbo churchy talk nonsense? You never, you know, ever since you come down with this religion thing... Nothing gets my blood to boiling more than a group of supposed sane people getting their mind some fantasy about, well, I'll just never get what you hope to get out of that mumbo-jumbo. Mumbo-jumbo churchy talk nonsense. <laughs> That's all it is. Mumbo-jumbo churchy talk nonsense is the best name for a Christian like rock band ever. The first sentence in that line and the last sentence in that line. That's fucking same. Well, Uncle, fact is, I'm praying that you will get out of it what I have, a relationship with the Lord God, Jesus Christ himself. Will you keep it down, man? Not good for business, that ranting and raving, talking like a fool is what? Uncle, since when have you cared a snippet for what anyone thinks? Well, look ye here. Be that as it may, I will not tolerate that kind of behavior in First National Bank of Topeka. Understand me? As if any sane man is going to get benefit from a cockamamie holiday waste of time. That's what I say. Mumbo-jumbo churchy talk nonsense. Surely do feel sorry you take it to that way, Uncle. But as well as the birth of Jesus, Scrooge gives Fred a look of total disgust. Fred continues on. As well as the birth of Jesus, like I say, Christmas strikes me as a time when there's, well, just more love and kindness, seems like. Well, I gotta tell you... How many times do I have to start lines like that? I gotta tell you with the problems of drought and frost and grasshoppers, one thing this town needs bad is a strong shot of love and kindness, I do declare. Raz me if you like, but this town with all the problems it has, why, Topeka bad needs love and kindness, Uncle. Christmas means a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know throughout the year when folks just seem to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of others as important and special and needed, not just another fella going his own way somewhere. And so you're right, Uncle, though it's never put a peso in my pocket, I know Christmas has done me good and will do me good, and I'm saying God bless Christmas. 
Bob Cratchit starts to agree, then, realizing his comment was unwanted, returns to his books. Scrooge, pointing at Cratchit. One more peep from you, Cratchit, and you will celebrate your Christmas looking for work. And remember, jobs don't grow on trees in Topeka, turns to Fred. And as for you, young man, you've got such a gift of the gab, your highness, maybe ought to run for state legislature, do you suppose? Don't be upset, uncle, but please, come and have Christmas dinner with us tomorrow. I think not. But why? Why? Why did you get married? Because I fell in love. Because you fell in love. I heard enough. Goodbye to you. You and your... (laughs) (laughs) You and your mumbo jumbo. Churchy talk nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, dude. How many times is that so far? It's four or five times I've had to say that. Oh my god, okay. But see, Uncle, you never came to see me before I got married, so it doesn't make a lot of sense using my marriage as the reason to stay away from visiting me now. Good afternoon. Uncle, you know I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you or your money, but we are related and we should be friends. Good afternoon. Breaks my heart that you won't be friendly. We have never quarreled, yet seems as though we ought to be friends. Christmas is so important to me and my family. I look forward to celebrating Christ's birth and to sharing the joy of Christmas and the love of Jesus with everyone I meet. So Merry Christmas, Uncle, and if you change your fool mind, please come for dinner tomorrow. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Good afternoon. Fred turns, walks away, waves to Bob Cratchit, who waves back. You, Cratchit, and just why are you so anxious about celebrating Christmas? Make three dollars a week, support a wife and family. You guys and your talk about a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Goddamn, I see it coming. You are all plumb out of your minds, that's what. And your bumbo jumbo. Churchy talk nonsense. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, this is the best. Okay. Stage directions. As Fred leaves, two men enter, books and papers in hand, bowing to Scrooge. Gentlemen, number one. First National Bank of Topeka, Scrooge and Marley props, I believe. Might you, sir, be Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Seeing as how Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years, I'll leave it to you to decide. Come to recollect, Marley, he died seven years ago this very night. I have no doubt his surviving partner will be generous to the needs of others. Hand some papers to Scrooge. Cratchit, under his breath, I can see you're new to these parts. Mr. Scrooge has been accused of many things, never of generosity. Well, now, Mr. Cratchit, perhaps you have something you wish to say to me, something about being independently wealthy and no longer requiring employment here at First National Bank of Topeka. Is that what you wish to tell me, Mr. Cratchit, sir? Well, no, Mr. Scrooge. I was simply pointing out to these gentlemen that... Sorry, excuse me, sir. I'll go back to my books. An absolutely outstanding idea, Mr. Cratchit. Why not just do that, quickly, before I turn you and your Christmas plans out to pasture? Looks down at the papers he has been handed. And what's this here now? Scrooge frowns, shakes his head, hands papers back. Gentlemen, too. This being Christmas and all, Mr. Scrooge, we try to do a little something extra for those more unfortunate. All around us are people who need a little assistance to get them over a rough time in their lives, and we like to do what we can, warm clothing, food, maybe a toy for the little one. Do tell. We like to do this, do we? Well, we also please you do. And why may we ask, are you telling all this to us if you are the ones doing this wonderful thing? And we should say that line inexplicably has all the pronouns in bold. Yes. That does not happen again in the script. So I, I put the proper emphasis. You did. Gentlemen, too. 
Well, Mr. Scrooge, what my friend meant was, by all of us joining hands together and all of us putting a few dollars towards this, why all the folks in need will have a Merry Christmas. Oh, so we are now joining hands, are we? Together? How nice. And as our hands are joined together, you plan to pluck money out of my pocket to give out some ne'er-do-well who doesn't care to work for a free ride at my expense. Is that our plan then, good sirs? These are not ne'er-do-well, sir. They are simply down on their luck right now. Oh, how tragic. Down on their luck, you say. Down on their luck, indeed. Lazy drifters, that's what. Sir, we need to show Christian kindness at this season especially. What is it with you people? Has this whole town gone loco? Christian kindness. Folks giving their lives to Jesus. Am I the only one left that is saint? <laughs> Mumbo jumbo. Church talk nonsense. Well, sir, it is the season of Christian love. And now it's Christian love. And all this Christianity straight out of my pocket. <laughs> so you wish to contribute then? So, <clears throat> so you wish to contribute then, Mr. Scrooge? I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. Every time I turn around, I'm supporting this or helping that. And I don't care whether it's Christmas or the 12th of May. We will be giving you nothing other than a good day to you as you kindly leave my bank. Am I understood? Sir, without help, some folks will die. Remember, sir, it's winter. If they would rather die than find work, that's what they had better do. Not my worry. Besides, excuse me, gentlemen, I have no personal knowledge of that, nor concern. But you should know it. You see poverty all around you. That's not none of my business. I look after my own business and don't interfere with other people's. The worries of others are not my worry. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Men look at Scrooge, shake their heads, walk off stage, while Scrooge shows contempt, goes back to work, lights down behind Scrim, up on narrator. Did they not put in... Because that's where the line about surplus population is, right? No, they didn't do it. What the fuck? That's one of the best lines in the whole thing. And it comes back with the Ghost of Christmas present. It's great. Okay. Narrator. Meanwhile, outside, darkness had settled and snow had begun to fall so as the folks can hardly see their hand out front of their face. All a body can do to see across the street and the cold make you shiver in your boots is what? Over in Tom Dunham's general store, folks was gathered tight round about the old pot-bellied stove, warming their hands, making small talk about the last time the temperature had ever been this unkind in these parts. The what? Did what is this narrator on about? He goes on and fucking on about it's, how cold it is for a full half page. It, it's there's no plot being conveyed here. This is great. But Mayor Conroy, who also ran the local newspaper, the Topeka Daily Chronicle, he was walking about town in his sheepskin coat and mitts, wishing all a Merry Christmas. By the by, strange, but no one seemed to question Ben Conroy naming his paper the Daily Chronicle. Daily, though it was published just once a month. Conroy, he had come here from Chicago, so everyone just blamed it to that. Come to expect those sort of ideas from outsiders, reckon. That got racist real fast. I feel like whoever wrote the narrator's stuff, it's very ironic with this whole, like, you know, the Christian spin on this, because the dude who wrote narrator is definitely going to hell. (laughs) In all I have said so far, do you get the impression that Ebenezer Scrooge was a mean and nasty, inhospitable tyrant? If so, you'd have much in common with the folks of Topeka. Lights down 50% on narrator, gradually full down in front of Scrim, full up behind Scrim for office scene. Bob Cratchit. Well, Mr. Scrooge, sir, I'll be moseying on home now. You'll want all day tomorrow off, I suppose. If that's okay by you, sir. It is not okay, and it is not fair. 
You know, if I was to pay you what little you are really worth, you'd think you were being shortchanged, would you not? Bob Cratchit smiles nervously. And yet you don't think of it when I pay a day's wage for no work. But it's only once a year, sir. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December, buttoning up his winter coat. But fine, I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here extra early next morning, Dale. You have my word on that, Mr. Scrooge, sir. Lights down behind Scrim, up front in narrator, or up in front and on narrator. And out Scrooge walked with a growl. The office was closed in a second as Cratchit donned his long coat. A threadbare coat, bad in need of replacing. I'm skipping all that. They have the prop there. You don't need to say it. Now Scrooge, on the other hand, as was his nightly ritual, meant to went to Ms. Wyatt's rooming house to take his supper. Seven nights a week you would see Ebenezer sitting at his usual table in the corner away from all the other customers. Velma White, over the years, she had come to know old Scrooge and knew what he wanted to eat, which was pork and it was beans. Not because it was his favorite, because it was the cheapest thing on that menu. No one ever approached Ebenezer, nor did he look to left nor to right, but read his papers, ate his meal, paid his bill, and quickly left for his house down the street. Ebenezer lived in a small house which had once belonged to old Jake Marley, the one we already agreed is long dead. It was a gloomy old house, unpainted and uncared for, where Scrooge lived all alone. Folks in town used to say, looking for old Ebenezer Scrooge's house, see a neat home with flowers in the front, then that ain't old Scrooge's house. A despicable house for a man who all agreed matched his home. Lights down in front of Scrim, up slowly to 50% behind Scrim, to the bedroom scene, sequence number two. And so it was that old Scrooge put his key to the lock, fixing to enter, when to his consternation, sounds of the singing of a Christmas carol was heard. Neighborhood, well, you've got to read that, Sean. Neighborhood scallywags, that's your line. Neighborhood scallywags, nothing more worthwhile to do than fill the air with meaningless screeching. Yet as he gazed into the street, all was quiet, not another soul had sat. So Scrooge again turned to place and key and lock, yet again as he did so, the sound of the Christmas music began, seems like from inside his house. And the voice he thought for one brief moment seemed that of, nah, couldn't be. Jake Marley, thought Ebenezer, kind of annoyed with himself. Old Scrooge entered his home and set out to get ready for bed. He slept, oh my God, it's a whole nother page. Okay, yeah, that's what I was looking at earlier when you said I had a line embedded in that narration. Okay, so this is the part where Scrooge is going around his house and he's scared. I mean, you've seen this in every adaptation. He's, there's a ghost. He's scared, right? Yes. Okay. So um, I'm going to go near the end of this, Sean. It was a very low fire. In spite of it's a bitter night, Ebenezer wasn't likely to burn a stick more wood than necessary. He was obliged to sit close to it and brood over it so as he could fetch the smallest flicker of warmth from such a handful of fuel. Christmas! Humbug! Mumbo-jumbo-churchy-talk nonsense! Yes, humbug, said Scrooge, and walked across the room. After several turns, he sat down again. As he leaned his head back in his old overstuffed chair, his head began to nod, tired as he was. Sound of Christmas, Carol. Old Scrooge wakes with a start. The music seems to be coming from somewhere in the room, but Scrooge wasn't one to give in easy. It's humbug, that's what it is, and I'm not about to believe it. Marley comes on stage, and Scrooge stares at him. I know you. Jake Marley. It's you. What is this? A ghost? The same face. The very same. Marley in your three-piece suit, same one, still as poor fitting as ever. And your tousled hair? What are you here for, Jake? Why do you come to torture me? 
I've come to set you straight, Ebenezer. Wait, who are you? I do not believe in the dead wandering about. And you are dead, Jake Marley. Then ask me who I was. Who were you then? In life I was your partner, Jake Marley. I can't believe this. Do you care to sit down? I can. Have a seat then. You don't believe it's actually me, do you, Ebenezer? No, I don't. Tell me, what proof do you need to believe? I don't know. I simply know this cannot be real. Why do you doubt when you can plainly see me? I know what it must be. The pork and beans tonight. I knew there was a strange taste to it. And Ms. White, the thief, she just raised the price to 15 cents. Ebenezer, believe it is I, Jake Marley. Humbug, I tell you. Humbug. Look in my eyes, Ebenezer. You know it is me. Have mercy. Why are you doing this to trouble me? I have not come to harm you, Ebenezer, but to make you see what must be changed in your life. Tell me, what have I done that needs change? I keep myself to myself. Don't harm anyone. You know that, Molly. You have a great deal to change, Ebenezer. Things to make you a better human being. What is this confounded racket about us? And all of this? And you? Racket? Christmas carols are racket? No, this night is meant to teach you a lesson which you must know, Ebenezer. God wants that you... God? You mean Jake? Old Jake Marley? Tell me more. Speak to me. Tell me what all this means, Jake. Help me, old friend. I am not the only one who can help you, Ebenezer. You must trust in God for help. You mean God is... That God does exist, Jacob? Oh, yes, indeed, God does exist. Of that there can be no doubt. Nor is there doubt that you must make changes in your life, Ebenezer. My part is only to make you fully aware of your need. Only God can make a change in you. Change? But, Molly, we were very good in business. Business? Your last worry should be how you have conducted yourself in business. Ebenezer, look out for your very soul. Now hear me, I must leave. Fine, then, but tell me. What changes must I make? And I will. But don't be hard on me. Don't be unkind, Jake. I beg you. I'm here tonight to warn you that you still have a chance to escape my fate. A chance and a hope, Ebenezer. Take it while you may. You were always a good friend. Thank you. You will be visited by three angels. Angels? You mean... Mime's angels with wings. Angels, Marley? Here? In my room? In your room. I I think I would rather not if it's all the same to you, Molly. Without hearing what they have to say and obeying their instructions, you cannot hope to avoid my fate. Expect the first angel tonight at one o'clock. The first? Begging your pardon, Molly, but couldn't I take them all at once and have it over with? And the second angel will be here tomorrow night at the same time. The third the next night again at the same time. You won't see me again, Ebenezer. Take care to listen and obey what God's angels tell you. For your own sake, remember what I have said. Lights down 50% behind Scrim. Up on narrator. Marley turned to leave and Ebenezer went to follow him. But without a word, Marley held up his hand and Ebenezer sat back down, going over in his mind what he had seen and he had heard. And with that, Jake Marley was gone, never to return. Marley leaves stage. Scrooge sits for a moment, goes to the window to look out. What is this all about? I'm, I'm so confused. The pork and beans, that's it. No, not that. 
It seemed as if it was Marley himself. What then? Barham? No, that doesn't do it, does it? Scrooge crawls into bed, lights full off. Now, whether what old Ebenezer saw was ghost or the result of uncooked pork and beans, folks here don't know for sure to this day. All's they know, old Ebenezer Scrooge surely saw something. When Scrooge awoke, it was so dark in the room, nothing could be seen. The great clock began to count off the hours. Scrooge sits up, lights up full, listening to the chimes of the clock, astonishment growing. Twelve! The clock must be wrong. What is this? Scrooge gets out of bed and goes to the window. It is dark outside. There's no one on the street. It is impossible that I've slept through a whole day and into another night. Twelve noon, perhaps. What about the sun? It's as though it is midnight. But I couldn't have slept that long. And what about last night? Jake Marley? Was it a dream or not? And what about the angels Marley spoke about? Well, but Marley said the first visit was to have happened by now. Pork and beans, that's it. I will demand a refund tomorrow. I think we found, Sean, the first adaptation of Dickens that is more verbose than Charles fucking Dickens. It's a lot. Okay. Angel One enters stage, stands in front of Scrooge, who falls back on the bed. Who? Who are you? I believe you already know who I am, Mr. Scrooge. I don't believe in angels. Then perhaps your eyes are playing tricks on you. My eyes do not play tricks. Then believe what you will, but I am an angel, Mr. Scrooge. An, an angel? Now nah, you can't be an angel dressed as you are. I thought angels came decked out in gleaming white robes and wings. Would you feel more comfortable if I had wings, Mr. Scrooge? No, it's just that... Actually, you remind me of young Frank Reed, farmer out in Baker Flats. Would you feel more comfortable if I had... Uh, yep, next one. <clears throat> you mean the one you foreclosed on, Mr. Scrooge? He was two days late on making his payments. Not my fault he was tardy. Business, that's what. Not his fault either, was it, Ebenezer? His wife sick and all? Sick? I didn't know his wife was sick. Yes, you did know, Ebenezer. You also know that since she died... That's still not for me to concern myself. Business. Only business. I take it then you are the angel Jake Marley spoke of. I am. And who and what are you? I am the angel sent to remind you of past Christmases. Long past? Your past. Must we bring up all these things from the past? What good would that do? Why not simply make plans for the future? Unless you deal with your past and learn from your past, you have no hope for a future. Then what is your reason for being here? Your welfare. Uh, that is kind of you, but I neither need nor want your concern. Your salvation, then. Listen closely and learn. The angel takes Scrooge's arm and leads him to another area. Come with me. I'm not sure I can do this. I'm old. My bones are feeble. It is not your bones, but your heart which needs mending, Ebenezer, and God can do that. Uh, lights up in scrim area number two. There are a group of people, any number, wandering about dressed in winter clothing, Christmas gifts in hand. They will talk loudly, express Christmas greetings. Later, as the script indicates, the group will split to the outside, leaving a young boy sitting at a desk reading. Good heavens! This is where I spent my boyhood, right here. Your lip is trembling, and is that a tear on your cheek? A snowflake. A snowflake landed on my cheek, that's all. You remember this? Remember it? I could tell you the name of every person here. Strange, you haven't thought of this for so many years. Let's go on. 
The crowd spreads to outsides framing boy at desk. Okay, that's a terrible sentence. May I speak to them? These are memories only. You can see them, but they can't see you. Remember the school? One child neglected by his friends, sitting alone. It is me. My only friends were my books. That character is all my friends. My only friend. Poor boy. Poor, poor, lonely boy. I wish... You wish what? Lights down in Scrim Area 2, upon which all actors, including Scrooge number 1, will leave quickly, replaced by Scrooge number 2 and scene number 2 actors. Nothing. Nothing. It's just, there were three boys singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I wish I'd given them something, that's all. Let's see another Christmas. Lights up on Scrim number 2, sequence 5. Scrooge number 2 is walking back and forth, obviously unhappy, frequently looks off. This is where I was sent to school. I remember I was all alone. All the other boys had gone home for the holidays. Sister runs on stage, puts her arms about Scrooge 2's neck, kisses him. The sister has a name in the book, yeah. guys. Whatever. Sister, sister. Maybe she's a nun in this one. Okay, yeah. It's, it's supposed to be his sister because she says, Dear, dear brother, I have come to bring you home, dear brother. To bring you home, home, home. Home? Yes, forever, forever and ever. We are moving out west, somewhere called Topeka. And father sent me and Nanny to bring you. And you're to be the new man of the family. And you will never come back here. But first we're to be together all Christmas long and have the happiest Christmas ever. Such a young lady. Sister claps hands, laughs, hugs Scrooge, pulls on his arm, leading him to stage right. A schoolmaster. Bring down young Scrooge's box. Schoolmaster comes on stage. So, young Ebenezer Scrooge, you are on your way back home. Sister. Isn't it wonderful? Ebenezer will be living with us again. We're all so excited. Schoolmaster. Well, we will miss you, Ebenezer. Things will be tough out there on the prairies. We will be praying for you. Now then, both of you, we have packed a lunch for you to eat in the carriage. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your teaching. I'll hope to see you again. Lights down. Such a beautiful young girl with such a big heart. You are right. A beautiful young girl. And beautiful until the day she died. She had children, I believe. Yes. One. Your nephew, Fred. Yes. Lights back up on Scrim 2. Sequence 6 with Scrooge 3, Andy, Richard, and other actors. Angel 1. And what is this? Do you recognize it? Recognize it? I took my bank training here. See the old man there behind the desk? My old boss, Andy Barnes. Such a great fella. Andy. Where are you guys? Ebenezer? Richard? Scrooge number 3 and Richard enter Scrim set 2. Richard Wilkins, to be sure. Bless me, yes. There he is. We were great friends, Richard and I. Poor Richard, dear, dear. Andy. Come on, my boys. No more work tonight. It's Christmas Eve, Richard. Christmas, I tell you, Ebenezer. Let's close up shop before a man can say Jack Robinson. It's Christmas Eve. Time for fun and laughter. So let's move everything out of the way and call in the others. It's time for a Christmas hoedown. Uh, Richard. Come, Ebenezer. A party with the Barnes family is a treat to behold. All right, they have a party. Yeah, party, 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 party. Oh, what happy times. Angel. Happy times, yes. But can you imagine the cost of this nonsense? Nonsense? Not on your life. Some of the best times I can recollect are right there with Andy Barnes and his family. Looking back, not sure what it may have cost old Andy, but worth every penny, I'll tell you. And me and Richard and all the others in Andy's bank. Why, we just loved that old man. Cost was insignificant, but... Oh, the memories it made in my young mind, worth a fortune. 
So, what you are saying is... Lights down on set. Scrooge pauses, shakes his head, as though clearing his mind. Looks at angel number one. What's wrong? Nothing in particular. Something, I think. No, no, just that maybe it might be nice if I could say a word right now to my clerk, Bob Cratchit. That's all. I don't have much time left. We need to hurry. Lights up on set. Sequence number seven. Scrooge number four and Bell. So Bell is his girlfriend. I'm not going to do a Mickey Mouse voice this time for yes. every girl in the script. Because there's too many of them. I've lost you, haven't I, Ebenezer? Another love, another idol has taken over in your life. Is this what you want, Ebenezer? Bell, you are talking in riddles. What idol has taken your place? A golden idol. Money has become your new love, Ebenezer Scrooge. Seems like everyone who is poor seeks to condemn those who seek a good lifestyle. All that I want, all I must have is the assurance I will not be poor. As you know, I have just now partnered with another young man, Jake Marley. We hope to open a bank of our own here, Bell. Don't you see I must work hard now so that we can be comfortable in our old age? You and I, Bell. I'm doing it for us, don't you see? Seems like that has become your obsession, Ebenezer. Being rich is all you seek. I have watched as all other things in your life, I included, have become meaningless to you. All that matters to you is money. It absorbs your every waking thought. I'm no longer a bell, a child, Bell. I'm a businessman. I've become wise in the ways of commerce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That sounds like the worst Jedi line ever. Yes. I've become wise in the ways of commerce, young Padawan. I'm a businessman who will do well here on this frontier. I admit it. I'm spending more of my time at the bank lately, but I have not changed towards you. And as soon as the business gets going... Belle shakes her head. Well, tell me, has my love for you changed? When we met and fell in love, we were young and poor and happy to remain poor and to slowly build a good life together. But you changed, Ebenezer. The man I knew back then no longer exists. The man you are today is a stranger to me. I was a boy. You were my true love and we were one in determination to work together. To create a life together. The happiest happiness we knew then is nothing more than misery now. Your goal is to be rich. You have no wish for family, friends, or God. I cannot walk with you on such a godless journey. And so if being rich at the expense of all else is your goal in life, I release you to it, Ebenezer. I'm not asking you to release me. I don't want you to release me. Simply realize that my occupation demands a great deal of me. Please tell me how I have asked to be released. I want to point out here that in Dickens, the last line of this scene is, I release you, Ebenezer. Yeah. And they just repeat the whole scene twice, basically. Uh -huh. The way you talk, the way you react to me and everyone around you, you have changed, Ebenezer. Everything that made our relationship special has been replaced by your new love, money. If we were to start our relationship today, you would not even see me. Your interest in riches is so strong. Would not see you nonsense, Belle. How can you? I wish it was otherwise. You know it is not. So go, Ebenezer. Follow your new love. Scrooge goes to answer. Belle silences him with her hand. I have beautiful memories of what we once shared and the dreams of what we might have had, and these I will treasure. I hope you are happy, Ebenezer. Belle turns and walks away, lights down. Please, Angel, why must you torture me? No more. Take me home. First one more. I can't. I can't take any more. Take me back. You have not yet learned the lessons of Christmas's past. The cost of this, is lear of this learning is far higher than I'm willing 
able to pay. And the cost of not learning is eternally higher, Ebenezer. Now watch and learn. Lights up. Belle, quick change to a more mature costume, and Belle's husband sitting. Angel One takes Scrooge by the arm, shows him the scene in the set. And I'm also playing the husband. Okay, so now this is a scene between Belle and her husband. Yes. I'm still Belle. Belle, I, I need to come up with a different voice. <laughs> Belle, I saw an old friend of yours today. Old friend? Who was it? Mr. Scrooge, your old friend. I went by the First National Bank of Topeka. Ebenezer was alone inside. I hear that his partner, Jake Marley, is near death. And how is Ebenezer? How does he look? I have often wondered if I should be jealous. Husband, you know where my love lies. He looked old and tired. His love, his God, has failed him. Lights down on set two. Please, Angel, take me away. I told you we would visit all of the Christmases in your life. They are what you have made them, Mr. Scrooge. Don't blame them on me or anyone else. I can't take it anymore. Take me away. Looking into Angel (laughs) number one's eyes, begging. Please go away, Angel. No more, please. Lights down. Uh, After break, Scrooge is in his bed. The clock strikes 12. Scrooge leaps up and looks around. See? There's no angel here. It was it was only a bad dream. But it seems so real. Angel number two, interstage, stands beside bed. I believe you were expecting me, Mr. Scrooge. Expecting, yes. Hoping you may not come. But yes, expecting that you would. I have been sent to talk with you about the present Christmas and what it means in your life. Look at me, please, Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge. Scrooge looks up, hesitatingly looks away. Never seen an angel before? No, never before today. Never seen or sensed angels about you? I don't think I have, sorry. Are there many angels about? Have you ever read your Bible? Heaven and earth are full of angels. God uses us to protect, to strengthen, to comfort, and sometimes, as in your case, Ebenezer, to inform, to bring warning. Angel, although I am afraid, show me what I must see. The angel last night taught me things... I needed to know. And if you two have lessons for me, so be it. Come with me, Ebenezer. Scrooge and Angel 2 walk to downstage set. Sequence number 10 lights up on set where the Cratchits are having Christmas dinner. Mrs. Cratchit, played by the inimitable <laughs> Mrs. Chapman, is working at the table and Peter and Belinda enter. Look, you two, careful or you will spill this hot gravy on yourselves. Now slow down. Wonder what has made your deaf father, dear father so late. And where's your little brother Tim? And land's sake, even Martha, and she never late. Why, she's still not around. Peter, here's Martha now, mother. Hello, Martha. Why, bless your heart, my dear. Why are you so late? Mrs. Cratchit helps Martha take off her coat and scarf. Martha, we had a lot of work to finish up last night, mother. Sorry. Never mind. The only thing that matters is that you are here. Sit down by the fire, my dear, and you have a warm cup of milk. God bless you. God is blessing me in all I do, mother. Okay, that's maybe a bit much, dear. That's not what it says, but <laughs> Jesus Christ. Belinda. Here's daddy, here's daddy. Hide, Martha, so daddy won't know you're here. Martha goes off stage. Bob Cratchit comes on stage with Tiny Tim, carrying a crutch in his arms. And I am Bob Cratchit. Uh, Merry Christmas, children. Merry Christmas, dear wife. And where might be Martha? Martha can't make it for dinner, for Christmas Day this year. Sorry, dear. Couldn't make it for Christmas. My Martha would never miss Christmas Day here. I believe someone is pulling my leg, perhaps. Martha comes running from offstage, runs into Bob's arms. Belinda and Paul take Tiny Tim, less crutch, 
off stage? What does less crutch mean? I think they don't take the crutch. <laughs> okay, less, that's not what the word less means, but okay. Oh, there's my Martha dear. And what about Tiny Tim? Was he a good boy? Good as gold, as always. You know, dear, sometimes Tim frightens me with what he says. Frightens and amazes me. He told me coming home that he hoped when people in the church saw him that they'd be able to see Jesus who made the lame to walk and blind men to see and that these thoughts might be pleasant to them to remember on Christmas Day. Bob struggles to keep from crying. Picks up (laughs) Tim's crutch off the floor. Children, come on stage. Come then, children. Time to thank the Lord for all he's given us and to enjoy the wonderful meal your gorgeous mother has prepared. Our merciful and benevolent Holy Father, thank you for giving us more than we deserve. I especially thank you for these, my family. Thank you for blessing me and them. Now take this sweet-smelling meal and bless it to our use, and use us to thy service. Amen! God bless us, everyone! Angel, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see an empty seat around the table, and a crutch without an owner. Unless God wills it otherwise... The child will die. Well, then that's on God. What the fuck does that have to do with Scrooge? Boy, Angel, this God fellow sure seems a bit ill-tempered, if you ask me. I mean, he's the little boy with the crutch. Why, you gotta kill him. That's not what the line is. No, don't let it happen. Dear God, let him be spared. As I said, unless God wills it otherwise, the child will die. I still don't see what that has to do with me. Church in mumbo jumbo nonsense. Okay, they didn't actually write that, but they should have. All right, now it says I look at Scrooge intensely. But what is this, Ebenezer Scrooge? I should have thought that you would have felt that, since he is unable to look after himself, his loss would not be a sorrowful experience to mankind as a whole. I admit before God that I have felt that way in the past, but I do no longer. Please, God, heal this boy. Ebenezer Scrooge, what a change in you. Are you beginning to believe in the presence and the power of God? Scrooge looks downward, then awakes to the sound of his name. Bob Cratchit. Oh, and bless Mr. Scrooge. After all, it was through his benevolence that we enjoy this meal. Benevolence, Mr. Scrooge? Benevolent? I wish I had him here. I'd give him a benevolent piece of my mind. My dear, the children, it is Christmas Day. Yes, indeed, it is Christmas Day. And just what would we be offering blessings to such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge? You know he is, Robert. Nobody knows it's better than you do. You must work for him every day. My dear, as I said, it is Christmas Day. I'll ask a blessing on his health for your sake and because it's Christmas Day. But he doesn't deserve it. Long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. Lights down. It is said to be so dis- I mean, it is sad to be so disliked. Angel, do you suppose Bob Cratchit's wife will ever forgive me? I can't say, Ebenezer. I would venture it will depend a lot on whether you were worthy of her forgiveness. And as for God, will I ever be worthy of his forgiveness? No, never. I thought not. No man was ever worthy of God's forgiveness. What? Never could be. Don't That's you know? Weird. Don't you know, Ebenezer Scrooge? That was the reason for Christmas. Jesus Christ came to Earth as a man to make you fully righteous in God's eyes. I mean, in your denomination, that might be the case, but there are lots of people that have disagreements with this particular interpretation of the Bible you're using. Um, that's not the line. Then God, 
He's real. I mean, he exists. How can I be sure he exists? Think I'm real, Ebenezer? Not really. You didn't, you didn't believe when you were first visited. Something about pork and beans, as I recollect. Sorry, I was wrong. Yes, you were, Ebenezer. See here. Lights up on set sequence number 11, where nephew Fred and his wife are talking. Once again, I am Fred. And I shall be playing the role of the wife. <laughs> Merry Christmas, dear wife. A blessed Christmas with you by my side. Blessed indeed, perfect. If only Uncle Ebenezer could be with us. If only he could know the blessing of the Lord in his life. Well, you did try, Fred, dear. All I got out of it was bah, humbug, mumbo-jumbo, churchy nonsense. He said Christmas was a humbug and Christianity nonsense. And I believe he believed it, too. Never did a man so need the presence of the Lord in his life. Has he always been as he is now, separate and alone? No friend? No, I once hear he had a, a lady friend, but his love of money drove her away. You know, the thing that bothers me most is that Uncle Ebenezer is missing out on so much life. We are family, and he is denying himself and us the privilege of enjoying familial bonds. More, he is missing out on a sonship with the Lord. You know, it may well be that he kicks me out of his office time after time, but I won't stop trying to get him to realize I love him and God loves him. Let's pray right now for God to work in Ebenezer Scrooge's life. Missing out on so much. Lights out on set number one. Lights up after break. Scrooge is sitting on chair beside bed, hunched over. He looks up as angel number three comes on stage. I have been waiting for you to come, angel of Christmases yet to come. I expected you might be Eben... I'm not going to be able to do that voice. <clears throat> Normally angel isn't three doesn't talk. Yes, this I is mean, true. This is, this is very... It's just a deathly man that talks. I know. Talks, you know. All right. I expected you might be Ebenezer Scrooge. You are here to speak with me of things that will happen in the time yet before us. It is as you say, Ebenezer. You must know that of all of the angels, I fear most what you might tell me. But I have learned from the others, and I know your news is for my benefit. Please, tell me what you will. Come with me then, this way. Lights up on set where a group of men are talking. Man number one. All I know is he's dead. Man number two. Died last night, did he? Dying to see this funeral buried in an old house, torse trough, more than like, save a few dollars. Gotta tell you, I always thought he too miserable to die. Any notion who gets all his loot? Knowing old Ebenezer the way I do, likely took his money with him, my best guess. Going to the funeral? No, I like to, but gotta go start seeding my cornfield. Seeding your cornfield? You know full well it's the middle of the winter. Won't be no seeding for mines. Well, true, true you are, but fellas gotta work up slow to these things. That cornfield, more of a metaphor if you think about it. <laughs> okay, doesn't say that. Yeah. Um, Nad, let's face it, wasn't nobody save Ebenezer Scrooge went to old Jake Miley's funeral. Let's gonna go to a funeral for old skinflint Ebenezer Scrooge. No, I don't mind going if there's gonna be lunch served. Not sure I'm all that bad hungry. Not going no how. Lights down on set two. Is there not one soul sad? That I'm gone. Should there be? No, I suppose. But what of my nephew Fred and, and old Bob Cratchit? They would miss me, wouldn't they? Angel 3 points towards set 2. See over there, that little farm? Mighty run down, ask me. He owed me money, I'd be mighty careful. Well, he did, and you were. 
This is Frank Reed's farm, the one you foreclosed on earlier this week. Sequence 13 lights up on set. Frank Reed and daughter Ruth are sitting at the table. I will be playing the daughter. And I will be playing the role of Frank Reed. Daddy, I'm scared. Don't be afraid, honey. Dad is right here and he will look after you. But what are we going to do now that Mama's gone? What about Jeremiah? He's only six years old and the baby. Daddy, why did Mama have to die? We will be fine, Ruth. You will be the lady of the house and help me look after Jeremiah and little Grace. It will all be fine. God will protect us, you'll say. But now we don't even have a place to live now that Mr. Scrooge has taken our farm. I'm scared, Daddy. Listen, Daddy is here and God will work it all out. Hasn't he always? I mean, we're being dismissed. Uh, uh, whatever. Now go on. Go check on your little brother and sister. And get ready for bed. We have a big day tomorrow, you and I. Ruth goes off stage, and Frank walks downstage and looks up. Lord God, I wish I was even a little bit confident about tomorrow. But I'm not. I'm scared, just like Ruth. Lord, you were the one who created this whole earth. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to provide for our home and salvation. You supply our every need, crying, Lord, I have nowhere to turn. I have nowhere to go. I need a miracle, Lord. Send a miracle for Ruth and Jeremiah and baby Grace. And for me, Lord, I just pray in your head down sobbing. <laughs> Lights down. Scrooge staring at Frank, crying. Poor little one. Alone without a mother. But like you say, Ebenezer, not your problem. It is my problem. I want it to be my problem. Do you understand? It's a problem I can repair. I will see that they have their farm back, yes. I'll do that first thing in the morning, and I'll... Supposing you wish to do this, and supposing you were given the opportunity to do this, human efforts are kind of like a bandage on a wound. Good thing that might mean that the wound won't hurt so much, might keep out the dirt. But underneath the bandage, the wound is still there. You mean, like the pain, their loss? There's wounds and hurts and needs... Only God can fix. Why do I need to put the bandage on it if he could just go up and fix it, okay? You can't assume that man, even with all the wonderful things God has prepared him to accomplish, that man can heal all wounds. There's only one great physician. So to get the feeling that simply having a humble and generous heart will carry you through life, you are wrong, Ebenezer. That is the message of Dickens' <laughs> book I would like to point out. <laughs> Maybe... Uh, Angel, have you been reading In the Hands of an Angry God? Like, it's just a very interesting interpretation you'd be using of the Bible, but okay, it's just not quite modern. Or, important though it is, that simply by providing full stomachs, the cares of an eating world will be solved. Man's best efforts are very basic and primitive in comparison with God's. So, you are saying that as well as making a change in my life, I also need to use God's power. And how will I get God to use this, this power? <laughs> this is unlimited power! <laughs> now I want the Christian interpretation of episode three, where Darth Sidious is visited by the ghosts who give yeah. him unlimited God power. How do I get in contact with God to let him know about Frank Reed and his kids and use this, this power? God is already very aware Frank talks with God on the regular. <laughs> I feel like you break a character there with that line, Angel. But okay. Oh, like when he was 
praying there. So I need to learn to, to talk to God, you're saying. I need to go talk to that Pope fella up in Rome. Is that the, oh, okay, that's not the one we're doing, not doing that one, okay. Can't say as I've ever learned to talk to God. How'd you do that? Talking has never been a real problem with you, Ebenezer, as I recall. I think that's just kind of mean to say. Listening, now that's another story. But no, seems like you got talking down pat. I don't feel like this is a constructive way to take this relationship, Angel. Yeah, but I mean this is talking to, to God. It's not as though I'm just standing here talking to you. I mean, you're an angel, this kind of way. But I'm not just standing here talking to you. I mean, you're only in, oh yeah, I get your message. You're one of God's guys, ain't you? Yes, Ebenezer, I'm one of uh, God's guys, yes. You know, Angel, for the first time in my life, I want to change. Don't suppose I can be... <laughs> I just... <laughs> oh, you... Okay, I gotta get it. Okay. You know, Angel, for the first time in my life, I want to change. Don't suppose I can be one of God's guys. God's guys. God's guys. It's it's the best Christian boy band ever made. God's guys. I'm gonna come out with a not hot new single, Angel. I can be on the drums. I played when I was young, but just a young. You Ebenezer Scrooge, you who has always called the tune to what happens in your life, you want to be one of God's guys. From what your two friends have showed me last couple of days, my tune don't cut it. Yes, Angel. I want to be one of God's guys. Just one thing, though. What's that, Ebenezer? Well, kind of wondering. Maybe not be a full-fledged God's guy like you. I mean, dead. Maybe not the wings, that is. The angels, think. You see, seems to me, maybe I should start out being kind of an apprentice. A Padawan, one might say. Like my nephew, Fred. Is that possible? I can start as a young man if that's how we got to go with this thing. See, where I figure it, things in my life, they're just not... Proper for me to die yet. I have to agree with you on that one, Ebenezer. You're missing the main ingredient in your life. God. How do I get in contact? I feel like we've been having this conversation for a while. How do I get in contact? Let him know about me. I mean, like you say, God knows all about that Frank Reed guy. I've been praying all along. I haven't been praying. So God won't even know that Ebenezer Scrooge exists. How do I let God know about me? Dear angel, please tell me this, you know, thing I got Denise to do. God already knows all about you, Ebenezer. He does? How can we be sure? He done got that Google thing up there? He sent me, didn't he? You mean, just for me? Was the reason he personally sent you? Personally? For no other reason, then. Can't quite believe that he'd make the special effort for little old me. You know? Having trouble believing that God would care enough about you to send me to you? Then think about something much more convincing. God cares so much for you, Ebenezer Scrooge. Here we go. He sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to personally deliver your salvation for you, I did. I Ebenezer very Scrooge, okay. to give you everlasting life. Do not interrupt me, boy. Unlimited power. Okay, everlasting life for me? No. That was a long time ago, that Jesus stuff. Well, I understand that Jesus was sent, how they say it, for a lost humanity. Not for me specific. Ebenezer Scrooge, you simply don't understand God's love, do you? No. If you were the only person on earth, the only person with need for salvation, God would still have sent Jesus to come to earth to suffer and to die. In that case, wouldn't you be the one crucifying him? 
Or would they have the animals? I guess it? it would kind of be my fault. I I, I feel like that's a lot. I, it should at least be two people, God. It's not just me. I mean, he's, he's, he's a pierced person too. Getting back on track. God would still have sent Jesus to come to earth to suffer and to die just for you, Ebenezer Scrooge. For you only. And that, Ebenezer Scrooge, is how much God knows you, how much he understands you and your needs. Ebenezer creepy. Scrooge, that's how much God loves you. <laughs> oh, man. The cost. God would go to that cost. What? Why is this? I feel like we're kind of rolling backwards if he's relating it to, like, economic shit. Oh, man, the cost. God would go to that cost for me? I want to buy in on this kind of love. Nothing to buy, Ebenezer. Why, it's a free gift. Look, I got the money. Just tell me how much and where. The Baptists need a new church. Hey, no problem. Well, I'll just... Now, fuck those Baptists. That's not what we are. No, that's not what he said. That's not the script. <laughs> God's salvation ain't for sale, Ebenezer. Yeah, but a fella can, can't just hope to get something for nothing. I mean... You are forgetting, Ebenezer. It's all been paid for. Oh, yeah? Jesus paid the price long, <laughs> long ago. Uh, usually, you know, I mean, yeah, that's what we call paying the price. I mean, he got fucking killed. So I guess that's right, but... I just feel like this is an insensitive metaphor to use, giving man gave up his life and all. Well, if there's no cost, I mean, why would people be foolish enough not to take it? I mean, why are there all these Jews and Muslims <laughs> around the world? <laughs> not taking up all of this great fucking deal. All praise offerings. <laughs> well... That is probably going to be the clip in 10 years we most regret you didn't cut out of the podcast, Sean. <laughs> okay. It does feel like that's where it's going. It does feel like... I, I feel like I've had a lot of these kinds of conversations. And I had these conversations. Had people conversating at me when I was trying to walk around that their college campus we was on trying to get me to sign up for some damn fool Bible group. I have no interest in that, Tom Foolery. Damn mumbo-jumbo churchy nonsense is what I say. All right, give me your last line again. Um, well, if there's no cost, I mean, why would people be foolish enough not to take it? I mean... Oh, I didn't say there was no cost, Ebenezer. There is a cost, a high cost. It'll cost you your whole life. Well, that seems kind of pointless. Turning all that you have been and all that you are and all that you will ever be over to him and to his keeping... Keep your money, Ebenezer. God wants you. But if I could just go and keep my money, what is the point? What shouldn't I be using my money to do the like the charity and stuff? I I, I guess I, okay. All that I have been, all that I am, all that I will ever be, reminds me of you three angels: Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. That was God's message to me, wasn't it? Some sort of metaphor. God and his son, Jesus Christ, want for you to experience a full, joyful life. And like all people, he invites you to his Christmas celebration of love. Angel, that's a celebration I don't want to miss. I want to miss it so much I use two exclamation points for that line. Where did I go to accept his invitation to that uh, celebration? The answer right in front of you all along, Ebenezer. As I recall, your own nephew has tried on many occasions to confront you with God's grace and salvation. Oh, I've been so blind. Jesus has healed many, many blind men in the past, and he is there so you can see as well. Lights down on scrim set. 
Sequence number 14 after short pause. Scrooge is sitting in his chair, slumped over. He stirs, quickly comes awake, looks around, trying to remember. Comes downstage, mimes opening a window, and peers out. It's morning! Street's empty. There's the three boys singing Christmas carols. Excuse me, boys. No, please, don't run away. I promise I won't get angry with you. I love your singing. Tell me, what day is it? Christmas Day, it is? So I haven't missed it. Oh, wonderful, boys. Here, here's a quarter for each of you. If you'll each run me an errand, I never mind making a dollar for each of you. You, young man, aren't you Ms. White's boy from the rooming house? Yes, I thought so. Please, here's ten dollars. Tell your mama, cook up three of the biggest turkeys she has. Bring them over to Bob Cratch's house and ask your mama to come for dinner as well. And you too, of course, son. And you, young man, what's your name? Yes, Charlie. Will you run over to Bob Cratchit's house? Tell his good wife to expect a lot of people for dinner. Oh, and tell Bob Cratchit to get thinking about taking Tiny Tim back east for that operation. Bob's got a lot of holidays coming. And tell Bob, old Ebenezer Scrooge, she'll get the bandages for Tiny Tim. God's going to provide the healing. That's okay if you don't understand, Charlie. I'm going to talk to you about that later if you don't understand, son. You come back up here, I'm going to show you a Bible, boy. Something tells me. Bob will know what I'm talking about. Scrooge turns as though away from window. How wonderful to be here today. Thank you, God, for this Christmas. Pause. Goes back to window. Mime's listening. What's that, young man? Oh, I'm sorry. I did forget to give you your assignment, didn't I? Well, yours is the most important of all. Please go to my nephew Fred's house. Tell him that old Ebenezer Scrooge is... New Ebenezer Scrooge, and that he would be honored if Fred would help his uncle get that mumbo-jumbo-churchy nonsense thing. <laughs> it's okay, don't worry, my nephew. It's a running gag. He'll know what it means. <laughs> On your way, then, child. Uh, that is, go along, then, please. Scrooge moves beside bed, kneels. Lights slowly go down until full down it ended Scrooge's last line and light up on narrator. God! I'm not much good at this. Merry Christmas! God, I'm not much used to accepting anything free, but I'm here accepting your free gift of salvation. That's a real deal, that's what I said. And I ask for all my friends and neighbors, well, all my neighbors, don't got no friends, sort of life I'm leading, sort of life you gave me, okay. <laughs> Please bless them. <clears throat> Narrator. And so it was, old Ebenezer Scrooge, the meanest, stingiest man in all this territory, gave his life to the Lord. That was a mean thing to say about me. Did old Ebenezer instantly turn into an angel? Nope. Old Ebenezer Scrooge is still a work in progress for God. But point is, Ebenezer is a work for God. And though some folks still have trouble getting close to Ebenezer, his old reputation being the way it seems, Ebenezer does have many friends, like Frank Reed. Frank's a real successful farmer now. Owen Scrooge painted the bank, put up a new sign. First National Bank of Topeka, Cratchit and Son props. Yeah, but the sons don't get none of the profit. Oh, forgot to tell you, Scrooge, he retired. Turned the business over to Bob Cratchit and his son, Tim. I did. Tim's health? Doing great. The operation Ebenezer paid for worked wonders. I mean, it wasn't really the a money mi- so much. I mean, a it was miracle, God, as Ebenezer it. would say. And the Baptists, why they got their new church. Scrooge holds a mortgage on the building. Ebenezer's nephew, Fred, why he's the pastor. And all the Catholics were killed. <laughs> Ebenezer. 
Ebenezer, he teaches Sunday school to little kids. They love him. Not sure if it's the Bible stories he tells or the candy he always brings them that does the trick, if you know what I mean. We probably shouldn't be dwelling on this image for too long. Though I know there's not a man, woman, or child alive who studies harder preparing a Sunday morning lesson. Guess that's about it. That's my tale. Kind of amazing, isn't it? That reminds me of another tale. Things God can't do with a man's life. All it takes is turning the life over to him. Pointing up. Pointing up in the sky. Narrator turns. Starts to walk off. Turns back to audience. Speaking of which... Turned your life over to him yet? No. Nope. Ebenezer did, and he was blessed. And by the changes I saw in Mr. Scrooge's life, I too gave my life over to him, and I have been so blessed. Narrator walks off stage, all lights fall down, in darkness. God bless us, everyone! <laughs> the end. <laughs> what the fuck did you find? You goddamn maniac, Tom Black. I didn't write it. I paid $35 for it. You paid them good money for this. This I, here work of art that they have done drawn up at that there Baptist church. And I, $35, that ain't going to that church. That going to the Lord. That paid. Well, I mean, he don't need that money, though. He should be giving that money away. But, he, but you know, I, I can keep my money. He said so. I can keep my damn money. I just got to give my soul over to that guy. Mumbo jumbo churchy nonsense <laughs> is going jumbo. to be our new. It's so great. Oh my, oh my god. god. This was better than I could have ever imagined. When I went to Sean, the Baptist production I saw did not do the Old West thing. The Old West thing was all these people, and I, I, you could not design a stupider version of this in a lab. It's so great. Like, what's the point? Why, why change the setting? Like, I was hoping there's going to be some sort of gunfight or something. Something exciting for us to get Scrooge, you walk ten paces north, I walk ten paces south, and at high noon we point our pistols in the air to decide which one's more righteous. I'm the ghost of Christmas getting plugged. Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> and I can't stress enough, like, most adaptations of A Christmas Carol kind of take the core of a Dickens scene and kind of trim down from there. These ones take the core and build up and have them, like, say everything three times. And then it's just, it's just that the, when it gets to the somebody stopping you on the street and handing you a pamphlet version of what Christianity looks like that is the most, like, creepy PSA, like, turn to the audience. Kids, if you done didn't accept the grace of God in your life, you're going to hell. It's a, it's a hell of a thing. Especially, I also love this, because there are a lot of scripts like these on the internet, Sean, I found. Oh, this man. is the only Old West one, which is why we did it. But, like, A Christmas Carol is set at Christmas. It's not religious the dickens story does not have like it has references to god as like a an expletive like a uh, an ejaculation someone would make in the parlance of the day yeah i'm being ejaculating god all over the place after i didn't getting all this money but like other than that it's such a weird thing to graft onto it and i love the point where it just takes the dickens message of like charity and goodwill and friendship and like and that's not enough yeah because it is the thing that's like, you can imagine a version of this that puts a little bit more, like, Christian religious doctrine into it, but f- focuses it still on charity. Which is a very Christian idea. Which is, yes, it's an extremely Christian ideal. 
But this one is much more about you got to done believe in God, son. You got to learn how to pray. We're going to teach you how to done communicate with the big fella. <laughs> yeah, that whole scene between Scrooge and Angel number three, the angel that doesn't fucking talk in the original play, and I think talks more than any other angel. What do I got to pay to get in on this deal, angel? Yes, the metaphor about like like the idea that the angels use the metaphor of money to sell Ebenezer on the idea of becoming religious is so backwards to the moral of the play, which is that he needs to let go of his fixation on material things. And instead, it feels like instead of letting go of the fixation on material things, they have just taken it and twisted it to be like worship God because it will give you material benefits. Yes. Which is not what it's supposed to be. It's so... Like, American Evangelical. I also love... <clears throat> this fucking script is copyrighted 2000, as it says on every page. Oh, boy. It's going to be real hard to break this southern accent. <laughs> I'm going to be talking like this for a while. But it's 2000. There are so many typos in this fucking thing as we read through it. Oh, yeah. Who is... Perf- I want to see the, the fucking... Who is the narrator has to like memorize <laughs> this fucking ream of text and go on stage and like if I actually read all the narrator's dialogue this episode would have been twice as fucking long. Yeah, it is just a fucking book. And again, most of it is just not it's not setting things up. It's like weird flavor text for this play. That is all stuff that, like, the set dressing and the costumes are supposed to communicate. You don't have to have a man stand on stage with a fucking spotlight on him talking for 15 minutes. Oh, well, <clears throat> Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you all I think out there in the world. We'll be back uh, next week. You know, enjoy the holidays. Have a good Christmas. We will be back on December 30th for our last show of the year and the last show of the decade. And you'll be hearing our countdown of the top 10 films of the 2010s. I tell you, it's even better than a contract with the Lord. It's a damn good podcast. It's a damn good podcast, and you're going to have a damn good time listening to it. That's an Ebenezer Scrooge guarantee.